Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you guys. Thank you for being here. I love baby dedication. It's so special. Thank you, families, for uh, dedicating those precious little ones. Thank you, church, for being willing to pray for, support, and encourage these families in our church. Um, always, always a good time. Um, this morning, we're wrapping up a series we've been in since January. For the last almost four months now, we've been in a series called Jesus According to Luke. We've been walking through the Gospel of Luke and seeing what Dr. Luke has to tell us about the life and ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus, and what that means for you and for me. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke 24. We're going to put a bow on that series today. Uh, We're going to look at the very last section of the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24. I'll begin in a moment in verse 36. And we'll, we'll wrap that up. I want to try to answer the what, the why, and the how of the Gospel of Luke and, and what that means for us now going forward, all right? Before we do, I've got some good news for you. So uh, about three or four weeks ago, we put up a, a graphic that showed Bell County Health Department. There it is. Um, we showed that um, the goal was to get to level four. Bell County Health District was, we're, we, were, we were at three, trying to get to four. Uh, four, of course, as you can see, uh, means that things are going really, really well. The vaccine is, is available for most everyone. And so this has been the goal. And I think this last weekend, they finally moved us to level four. Then we talked to them directly and they said that we could begin to uh, draw back some of our measures that we put in place. And so they didn't recommend we do that all at once, you know, free for all at the Vista, COVID party. No, we thought we would slowly begin to draw some of those measures down a little bit. So here's some good news. Starting next week, Starting next week, you no longer will need to RSVP for a service, and there will be no more checking in at the door when you walk in, right? That's good news. No more RSVPs, no more checking in at the door. You can come to whatever service you want. You can bring whoever you want to bring with you. Praise Jesus, okay? We're slowly working our way back to normal, whatever normal is going to look like. Um, in In the weeks ahead, we'll be drawing back some other measures as well, but we thought we'd start with that because let's be honest registering for church and remembering to register every week and then getting checked in as you walk in, well, it's just not the most fun thing, right? It's just not. And so that's where we're going to start. Again, starting next week, we're going we're to withdraw some of that, okay? And then we'll let you know as in the weeks ahead some other things that we'll be, that we'll be doing. And then hopefully again by you know, early summer, we're back to normal, whatever, whatever normal means, okay? Luke 24... Um, I have loved going through this series. I hope you've enjoyed it. I enjoy preaching through books of the Bible. It's probably my favorite. I know there's, there's a time and place for other topical sermons and different things that we'll do, but I, I enjoy walking through, preaching through books of the Bible. So I've really enjoyed walking through the Gospel of Luke. Um, and like I said, today we're going to wrap that up. We, we broke the Gospel of Luke down into three distinct sections. We started with uh, the, the very first section was just called Beginnings. We looked at the beginning of the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. He, he calls these 12 guys to be his disciples, and his ministry gets started. Um, he gets that started about, the age, about at, at age 30. Then the middle section, we called it On the Road Again. Uh, it was basically the middle section of the Gospel of Luke is where Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. It's a rather long journey. Uh, We see some encounters that he has with people along the way, but ultimately everything in his life was pointing to heading to Jerusalem where he would fulfill his mission and purpose for coming, which was ultimately to go to a cross and give up his life on a cross for the sins of all the world. And then the last section, we called it end of the line, and that is, again, him fulfilling his mission. It's Jesus going to the cross, dying on a cross in our place for our sin. Three days later, he walks out of the grave conquering Satan, sin, and death once and for all. Then he appears alive, 
And what we're going to look at today as we wrap up Luke is Jesus is, shows up to his followers in this closed room. Kind of freaks them out a little bit, as you can imagine, right? Then he gives them some final instructions and, and gives them sort of a charge for what they do from here, okay? So we'll look at that together. Uh, Luke 24, I'll begin in verse 36. We'll just read this, this together. <clears throat> it says, um, as they were talking about these things, and so these things being the events that have just taken place, what the women told him when they went to the tomb, they said, his body's not there. He's not there. We saw an angel. Then the guys on the road to Emmaus, we saw that last week. Jesus shows up walking along the road. And so they're talking about all of this that's just taken place. Jesus himself, it says, stood among them, and he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened. They thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it before them. Okay? So Jesus shows up to his followers in this room. He doesn't walk through the door. He just shows up in their midst. And so they're a little bit freaked out by this, as you can imagine. His goal is to show them, though, that he really is alive. He's not a ghost. He's not some spirit. He says, look, touch my hands, my feet. See me. I am flesh and blood. Look, uh, I'm not some spirit. And then he even says, look, give me something to eat. And he eats some food right in front of them so that they can see for themselves that he is really, really alive. All right? Then he gives them some final words. Verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So that's the Old Testament. We talked about that last week. The Old Testament is all about Jesus. It points to Jesus. It reveals Jesus. It foreshadows Jesus. So he's making sure they understand this. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. That's what Luke just told us about. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things, he tells them. Then he says in verse 49, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in a moment. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while, blessed, while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. All right, that is how the gospel of Luke ends. All right. So what I want to do in the brief time we have together this morning, um, just sort of wrapping up the series, is I want to talk about the what, the why, and the how, all right? What is Luke's gospel about? What is the overarching big idea? What is Luke trying to get across to his reader? Okay, we've just spent four months walking through Luke. So the obvious answer is Luke wants us, his readers, to know Jesus. He wants us to know Jesus. But here's the thing. What does know even mean? What does it mean to know someone, right? There's, there's different degrees of knowing someone, right? Um, when I was in high school, I grew up in the San Antonio area. I had a friend of mine who was a ball boy for the San Antonio Spurs, 
I was a huge basketball fan, still am. And so this was great for me because my friend got two tickets to every Spurs home game. Now, his parents, his family, they took all the good tickets, right? Like when they played the Bulls and the Lakers, he took his, he took his family. They, they, they got dibs on the good tickets. But I didn't care. Like when they played teams that were terrible, Dave got to go, right? And it was really cool because we would sit really close, like right on the court. Um, we even got to leave out the players' exit. So we got to, we got to meet. I got to meet a lot of the players. And I'll, I'll date myself, um, but these were players from the 90s. I got to meet like David Robinson and Sean Elliott and Avery Johnson. Some of you may not even know who those are anymore, right? But in the 90s, they were really good, okay? And so I got to meet a lot of the Spurs players. And here's the thing. Like, they're not going to remember me. Like, they're not. If you, if you ran into one of those guys today, oh, you met Dave Jeffries, they'd be like, who? They don't, they don't know who I am, right? But when I would tell my friends at school, I would act like I knew those guys, right? Oh, yeah, we go way back. You know, I know, I know Sean and Avery and D- Dave. We, I call him Dave. We're good, we're good buddies, right? Like, I would, I would kind of play it up like I, as if I knew those guys. I didn't really know them. I knew a lot about them. I could tell you some stats. I could tell you their numbers. I could tell you the positions they played. I admired those guys. I admired them from a distance, but I didn't really know them, right? And one thing I think is true is that for a lot of people, they know Jesus kind of like I knew some of those members of the Spurs, right? It was kind of a distant, casual, we know some things about him. We've maybe read some stories about him. You know, we admire him from a distance. We really admire Jesus, But Luke wants us to know Jesus. He wants us to know him. And so more specifically, Luke's goal, Luke's purpose, is that his readers love Jesus, trust Jesus, follow Jesus, and then as you can see as it wraps up, ultimately, that they worship Jesus, okay? Luke wants us to move from sort of casual fans or admirers He wants us to move from analysts and people that just examine his life and even critique his life. He wants us to move to people that follow him and trust him and worship him and love him, right? That's what Luke wants for us. As we go through Luke's gospel, as we've gone through it, we've seen people that have just sort of stood at a distance and critiqued him, right? We looked at the, uh, there were several sermons in the middle that was all about the Pharisees and the religious leaders, how they just sort of stood at a distance and, man, they just critiqued him. Always, they didn't like Jesus. They thought everything he did was wrong. And they just critiqued him. A lot of people today, they still just want to critique the life of Jesus. Others just want to study him. You know, he's, again, the most important and popular figure that's ever lived. More songs about him have been written. More books about him have been written than any other person that's ever walked the face of the earth. So some people just, man, they just spend all their time studying and analyzing and examining Jesus. Others just admire him. You know, he was a good man. He did a lot of good stuff, right? We saw a few weeks ago as Jesus rides into Jerusalem, the whole crowd is waving palm branches and they're they're shouting Hosanna, they're they're praising him. But then a few days later, that same crowd is shouting, crucify, crucify, right? Luke's purpose in writing is that we would move from the, the casual fan or admirer and that we would move to people that love him and trust him and follow him and worship him, right? That's Luke's ultimate purpose. That's the what of the gospel of Luke. Okay, what about the why? Well, why does Luke want us to love him and trust him and follow him and worship him? Why is that such a big deal to Luke? Well, what you see as we wrap up the gospel of Luke is that his followers have a really big job to do, right? The followers of Jesus are to continue the work of Jesus, right? That's what, that's what Luke just said, Jesus' own words to his followers. At this time, there's about 20 of them gathered there. 
okay? The 11 that are left after Judas, and then some other people, some other, there were some women in there, there were some different people that maybe weren't the official 11, but they were all considered followers. There's about 20 of them or so. They're gathered and huddled in a room together, and Jesus is saying, look, um, this all happened. You can trust the scriptures. This all happened so that, so that everything would be fulfilled. And now he says, it's your job to take this message, this gospel, to everybody else on earth. You guys are going to take it to everyone on the earth, right? That seems like a pretty monumental task. Jesus gives his followers the job of continuing the work of Jesus. So what did Jesus do, right? Jesus loved people and cared for people, served people, taught people. He befriended sinners. He forgave sins. He sacrificed for others. Man, this is all part of living out the gospel, He goes on to say, man, um, that Jesus died and he rose again for repentance and forgiveness of sins is possible to everyone, which means no matter who you are, what you've done, what skeletons are in your closet, what baggage is in your past, there is no sin that's too great for Jesus to forgive. There is no sin that is not covered by his blood and his sacrifice. So all we have to do is repent and trust in Jesus. It's a really great story. That's why it's called the gospel, the good news. And so now Jesus says, This is the job of you guys, you followers of mine. You're to continue the ministry, continue the work of Jesus. We'll see in just a little bit how that happens. The followers of Jesus continue the work of Jesus. But again, that can be a really ambiguous idea. So what we've done here is we've tried to craft a a short, simple, concise statement. We call it our mission statement that hopefully gives us some clarity as to what we're supposed to be about and what we're supposed to do. If you don't know it, our mission statement is simply to love God and love people by living and sharing the gospel, okay? Love God and love people by living and sharing the gospel. Jesus was asked at one point earlier in the gospels, a guy comes up to him and says, hey, um, there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament. There's like 630 some odd commandments. And he goes, I need to know what's most important. Make it simple for, for me. Boil it down for me. What's most important? And Jesus responds to the guy by saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, okay? Jesus' response to what is most important was love God and love people. And then how do we do that? Well, we do that by living and sharing this gospel message that Dr. Luke has just told us about. People need to know there's a God in heaven that loves them so much that he sent his son to this earth And that ultimately his son goes to a cross and he dies. He gives up his life on that Roman cross as a sacrifice and a substitute for their sin. So that just through repentance, they can be forgiven. They can be forgiven, right? And so Jesus says, look, my followers are going to continue my work. Church, that's our job. That's our job where God has placed us. We are here in Bell County. Wherever you live, our role, our job, our purpose is to continue the ministry and the mission of Jesus, to continue the work of Jesus. The next question then is how? How in the world are we going to do that? It seems like a monumental task, does it not? Can you imagine being those, those 20 followers, right? I'm sure to those 20 followers, that seemed like an impossible task. Jesus is going, hey guys, you've seen everything that I've done. Uh, I died for people on the cross, you know, the whole deal. Now, you guys are going to get that message and that ministry to pretty much everybody else on the planet, right? You guys, 20 people, right? I'm sure to them they were like, you've got to be, how are we going to do this? 
seems like a monumental task. Well, that's why in verse 49, he doesn't just say, here's your job, now get after it, right? No, he says, behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. He's basically saying you can't do it on your own. You're not going to be able to do this monumental task on your own. You're going to need some help. You're going to need some other power. And so he promises the Holy Spirit. This is not only how the Gospel of Luke ends, it's how the book of Acts begins. I would remind you that Luke wrote both. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke first. It's like the prequel. And then he wrote the book of Acts, which is like the sequel. Think of Acts, Luke and Acts like part one and part two, Okay. Uh, Look with me, if you would, over in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, we saw the way the gospel of Luke ended. Now look at the way the book of Acts begins. It's it's very much the same, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, while they were staying with them, um, while staying with them, he ordered them again not to depart from Jerusalem. Okay, we just saw that in Luke. Don't leave Jerusalem yet. Don't, Don't just go get started. Wait, wait. He says, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said... You heard from me. For John, that's John the Baptist, he baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They're still thinking that now that Jesus has risen from the dead, he's going to become this earthly king. They're still thinking earthly kingdom. Jesus responds, he says to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then you'll be my witnesses. He just said that in Luke as well. In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. The same way the gospel of Luke ends is the way the book of Acts gets started. Jesus says, here's your role. Here's your mission. But you can't do it on your own. You're going to need some extra power. So I'm going to promise I'm going to give the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come, going to bring power, okay? The Holy Spirit's the third person of the Trinity. And if you were, if you're paying attention as we went through the Gospel of Luke, you'll see that the Holy Spirit was very much involved and active all through the life and ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. We saw that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We saw the Holy Spirit show up at his baptism when it descends on him like a dove. Luke goes on to say that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He taught by the power of the Holy Spirit. He healed others through the power of the Holy Spirit. He loved others by the power of the Holy Spirit. He prayed by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was raised from death to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then as I mentioned a few weeks ago, the Bible is going to tell us that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is alive and at work inside of us, his followers, the church, right? That's indeed good news. That's where we get our strength and our power to fulfill our mission and purpose that God has called us to. Hear me on this. You cannot serve God faithfully and fruitfully apart from the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. You just can't do it. You'll grow tired. You'll grow weary. In your own strength, your own power. uh, Listen, I don't know if you've tried this or not, but like loving people is difficult, right? Why? Because people are difficult, right? So you can try for a while in your own power and your own strength, and you might have some success, but over the long haul, man, you will not have a fruitful ministry apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the disciples needed. That's what they needed. They needed the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is our great example of a life that is filled and led by the Holy Spirit of God. I want to mention one other thing before we go. If you look at the disciples in the, in the Gospels, so Luke and even Matthew, Mark, and John, um, the disciples you see at the end of the Gospels, and then you read about them in the book of Acts, and they honestly, they appear as different characters, don't they? I mean, think about their demeanor. At the end of the Gospels, you have the disciples, um, most, they're, they're, they're scared, they're timid, they're huddled together in a room. They, you know, most of them weren't even at, they were, they were so afraid they didn't even show up at the cross, they sort of abandoned him. We know Peter, the mighty, you know, leader of all the disciples, he denies Jesus three times to like a junior high girl in this garden, right? He's afraid, he's scared, all the disciples are scared, they're huddled together in a room, and you look at them at the end of the Gospels and you go, how in the world is this ragtag group of fearful guys going to take the message and the mission of Jesus to the whole world? How is that even going to happen? It looks rather bleak, right? But then you get into the book of Acts, and you see these guys, man, they're, man, they're bold, and they're courageous. They're willing to die for, for, this whole, for this whole message and mission. In fact, all of the disciples die a martyr's death for the sake of the gospel. What accounts for the change in the disciples? I've always said that one of the great evidences that Jesus is alive today, one of the great evidences that Christianity is true and real is the demeanor of the disciples. Something happened that caused those men to change drastically, right? Number one, they saw the resurrected Lord Jesus, and that'll change you. They saw a man they followed die on a cross, and then they saw him alive again. And so they go from being scared and and worried and fearful to going, look, I saw a dude walk out of the grave, like... That'll change you. And so they're emboldened and they've got this, this lack of fear. And the second thing that, that accounts for that is the active presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that falls on them early in the book of Acts. And then if you go on and read through Acts and go on and read through the New Testament, you go on and study church history, what you're going to see is the words of Jesus absolutely do come true. A few chapters later in Acts, God gets a hold of a life of a man named Saul of Tarsus. He becomes the Apostle Paul. He goes on to plant churches all over, all over the area. And then those churches that he plants, they go on and plant other churches. And then those churches plant even more churches, and it spreads, it begins to grow. The world has never seen anything like the spread of Christianity. Despite government attempts to stamp it out, it does nothing but continue to spread and grow and grow. Then there's a reformation that takes place, and, and you've got different sort of branches, and you've got denominations that begin to take root. But the words of Jesus have absolutely come true. That the message, the gospel of Jesus has gone to every nation in the world and it continues to do so today through his followers who are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. That's our job. That's our role as the church where God has placed us. We get to continue the message and the ministry of Jesus. We get to be his witnesses. We get to tell this gospel story to the people God places around us here in Central Texas. We get to be a part of the message and ministry of Jesus, the work of Jesus continuing in our area. We don't do it on our own. We do it through the power of the Holy Spirit of God that is alive and at work inside of His church. That's what Luke wants us to know. That's what Luke wants us to understand. Luke's heart is that we don't just stand at a distance and admire Jesus, but that we love Him and we trust Him, 
we follow him and we worship him, that we continue his work by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful today that you choose to do your work through your people. God, you are, um, you are amazing and strong and mighty, and you don't, you don't have to use us to do what you want to do. You could do that any way you want. But God, you choose to use your church. You choose to use your people. So Father, I pray that we would be faithful where you've placed us. God, that we would love the people you place around us, that we would care for and serve, we would live out the gospel. And God, I pray we would share the gospel, that God, people that you bring into our path, family members, co-workers, maybe even, you know, friends of ours that, that don't know you, give us the strength and the courage. I pray your Holy Spirit would work through us to share this beautiful, beautiful gospel story to those that do not know you. Help us to be the church where you've placed us. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.